Welcome to the Money Insights Podcast, where high income earners come to learn wealth building strategies that will take them from high income to high net worth. With your hosts, financial and wealth building experts, Christian Allen and Rod Zabriskie. Welcome into today's episode of the Money Insights Podcast, where we talk all things money and business. My name is Christian Allen, and I am here with the rock star of the show. Rod, the pod's a brisky. Rod, what's up, man? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm really good. Really good. Thanks for asking. This is this feels like a new trend. Yeah, I didn't. I I feel like I I left you like I didn't. I was unkind to you for like a year <laughs> and a half, and then I realized maybe you wanted to be have a little reciprocation. Okay, You're well, I'm gonna nice have to come to ask me. Yeah, well, I guess I'm gonna have to come back ready with some interesting facts to match. Your interesting facts. All right. Okay. Right, well, well, my interesting thing for today is it's it's a weird time of year because the sun's shining now. Like we kept talking all the time about the, about snow forever. It's shining, but it's not warm out there. No, it is not. It is quite cold, <laughs> at least here in the, the I was going to say Salt Lake, but you're a little bit further south. Um, yeah, it's freezing cold. It's like 20, 25 degrees out there, yeah. but it looks nice. It does. It looks nice. Okay, yeah. Rod, I have this feeling. I know I say it every time we bring up the weather, but I just, I'm not sure that that's the reason that people tune in, but maybe. I hope not. Maybe. I hope not. Um, okay, but can I just say, can I just kind of throw something out there that maybe listeners have noticed? Maybe not, but maybe, um, because it's been a little bit gradual, but we've had a little bit of a shift in our show. Do you know what I'm referencing? I'm on? no, I'm interested to hear. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I'll just tell you, we've shifted from having nearly as many guests on the show. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. So, call me crazy, Rod, and this might be like a little egotistical to to hope for, but I'm hoping that people will tune in to listen to the interesting, thoughtful, educational things that we have to provide. Is that crazy? Well. I hope it's not egotistical because that's what we strive for. So Okay, well, and, w- regardless and... of whether we hit it or not, that's at least what we're going for. Absolutely. We're on the same page. Yep. Okay, okay. Now, that doesn't mean that we won't bring in interesting, relevant um, guests that we feel like bring real value. But here's what I thought. Here's the story, Rod. I'm going to open the curtains a little bit. Mm-hmm. I was listening to another podcast, and uh, the host threw out a line that was interesting He said something to the effect of, we don't need another um, guest podcast that's doing it worse than the other ones. (laughs) And and I don't, I I mean, basically he was saying like, okay, you could do the exact same thing. There's tons of guest podcasts and there's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with those, right? Yeah. There's, there's real value there. Um, But like, I noticed that a lot of the guests just kind of go the rounds and I thought, Mm -hmm. you know what, if they can get that same guest five other places, and they're basically saying the same thing. Like, am I really providing that much value? My answer to that was no. Yeah. So when I feel like, when we feel like there's opportunities to get good people who really bring value to the show, I think those are the situations that we're going to bring people on. So it'll be um, really interesting people and or really interesting topics or relevant topics. Right. Like yeah. we recently had, you know, we recently had, uh, I think it was Lynette. I can't remember who the last person was, but it, Lynette Zhang maybe, and we were talking about gold. Well, that's a, mm-hmm. that's an interesting and relevant topic right now. Absolutely. 
Yeah, okay. and I was totally in agreement. I, I thought everything you said made sense because, like you said, there's kind of this circuit out there of of interviewees uh, hitting you know all kinds of different podcasts. And again, we want interesting people on our podcast. If if it's not someone that people are just seeing everywhere else as well, so yeah, yeah, yeah. and especially if they go on a podcast that's like you know it's a podcast that's been in existence for a long time. They're really seasoned. They're really good. Like there's a chance that they just may, may be a better interviewer, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Anyway, now that does, again, that doesn't mean we won't have people, but that's been basically the logic behind our shift in shows. So we'll still have people on. It'll just be less frequently. Okay. Rod. So for today's episode, which I've been trying to kind of mold for a few weeks now, but the way it's come together is basically in, in the form of interesting headline article or article headlines. Yeah. Oh, but wait, before I do that, Rod, we have a we have an event that I have to make sure I announce before I forget. Our big event coming up May 4th is the Alternative Wealth Building Virtual Summit for High Income Earners. Again, that's May 4th. Tickets will be going on sale shortly. So I'm excited. I'm excited about it too. Um we actually just added one more person to our guest lineup. Mm -hmm. So we'll all announce we'll announce that maybe next week after we've ironed out our details. But uh yeah, we've we've got six, I think, speakers lined up so far. And we could have as many as eight, but we have at least our core six so far. So yeah. very excited, really good people um who have impactful, powerful wealth building messages to share. Okay, Rod, now that we've gotten announcements out of the way let's talk about our topic for today which i like i i started to introduce interesting news article headlines okay what does that mean the way that i pictured this rod and i was just describing this before but i didn't really give you enough heads up on this so the way i'm picturing this happening potentially down the road is like both of us come to the table with a handful of interesting relevant topics headlines mm -hmm that we're seeing in the news today and bring them out and get the reaction of the other person. The good news is I have plenty of them picked out for today. So we're going to get a lot of Rod the Pods reactions. And I can tell people I have not seen these headlines uh, ahead of time. So it is going to be on the spot reaction. Yeah, on the spot reaction. Then see, there's just something about that. I like putting people on the spot, Rod. Um, I like getting <laughs> put on the spot. Okay. As long as it goes well, as long as it goes well. Yeah, um, the good news is, Rod, if you completely blow the answers, we can always edit it and do it again. Deal. Okay. So we we'll won't tell sure everybody that, that we did that. We won't tell everybody. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Rod. So relevant headlines. Should we just jump into the first one that ah, I have? Let's do it. Okay. First, the first relevant headline coming from CNBC. It's taking longer than I would have liked to open. And it is... Oh, gosh, Rod. I didn't realize I put this one first. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of excited now. You're going to be surprised. Okay. Here it goes. Most couples are financially incompatible, survey finds. Having a money talk could help, no matter how long you've been together. And this, Rod, in my mind, is a good question for a seasoned married veteran who just celebrated their 26th wedding anniversary. So... Yeah. Rod, what are your reaction to most couples being financially incompatible, one, and then, you know, the suggestion that having a money talk could help, even if you've been doing it for a long time? 
being married. Okay. I would, I would agree. Uh, Okay. So I, from where I sit, I get to see a lot of couples and the way that they work right now. We don't always meet with both husband and wife, both spouses. Um, However, we get a little bit of a glimpse. And what I can say is, so my first reaction is that often, not always, but very often, the reason why we're only meeting with one spouse is because he or she is the one who is taking the lead. And and it's not that the other one is disinterested completely in financial issues, but they're not wanting to be involved in like the day-to-day decision-making as it relates to really getting into the weeds uh, as a you know, taxes and budgeting and investing and all of like the, the detail stuff. Um, so I guess I would say that that seems to match my experience uh, with, with people and, and even myself. So my wife and I grew up in, even though we both grew up in Utah, we both grew up in, you know, church related households, like very religious type of thing. And, and there are, core differences in the way that her family ran and the way my family ran and, and we're bringing those two worlds together. And one thing that we laugh about regularly is that when you bring those two worlds together, you have no idea the kinds of conversations you're going to have, or just the assumptions that you make coming in, or I'll say I make that I made coming in assumptions she made coming in. And when they clash, it's like, whoa, I didn't realize there was even a different way to think about this. Here's here's the example we always use, and it's not related okay. directly to finance, but but I think it's kind of funny. So uh, so we start having kids, Christmas morning com- or Christmas Eve comes, and the decision or, and we're getting ready to, you know, get all the presents going. Well, it turns out in her house, when they ordered the presents from Santa, they were not wrapped. Whereas in my house, when we ordered the presents for Santa, they were wrapped and under the tree in, in wrapping paper. And this was like, it blew my mind that that was even a possibility that you just put things under the tree that aren't wrapped. But the same thing for her. She's like, but that's just the way it always was. That's just, you don't, you don't wrap the things from Santa. Heavens. Okay, Rod. So can I just weigh in on this for a second? Yeah. Here's the deal. I'm on your side. I've been, I've always seen wrapped presents. In fact, this is this might seem a little bit strange now, but my parents didn't give us presents on Christmas. It was ev- everything was basically from Santa, which I'm not saying right or wrong or philosophical. Yeah. I'm not getting into yeah. that, but but that and everything was basically wrapped, which oh my heavens, is a lot of work, especially when you have yeah. seven kids, right? <laughs> yes. Um. So I can attest. It, anyway, yes, you can attest that. So I'm kind of with you, but I have now gotten married for the second time. Mm-hmm. And both my first wife and Heather are on the same side as your wife, Jody. Oh, in that interesting. They don't wrap the presents from Santa Claus. See? So anyway, this is a difficult one. Okay. I know that wasn't like the focus, but just yeah, as, but as an example, illustration. it's interesting. Yeah. Yep. Okay, Rod. So, so finally then, and maybe you hit on this, but. But let's say you've been married for 25 years Mm -hmm. and you're still maybe not quite on the same page. What do you tell that person to do? Yeah. Okay. So the second part of the headline, I think, is absolutely correct and great advice to 
um, to get help, right? Uh, because I thought wrapping presents was the quote unquote right way to do it. She thought not wrapping them was the quote unquote right way to do it. And obviously neither of them is, is like, there's an, there's an moral issue here. And that a lot of that sometimes comes up with finances and just the way you manage them and, and whatever. Um, obviously it's a, a lot more important issues as you relate to the finances as it compared, depending on who you're talking to, there may be those who feel like the Christmas question is more important, but I guess the point is, and I would say this, whether it's finances or really anything else, just relationship uh, as a whole, uh, some of the best things that Jody and I did were to uh, to seek out like ways that we could have a better relationship. And finances are obviously a huge part of of necessity of the relationship for a couple. And so having like re- whether it's reading books, uh, listening to podcasts, finding uh, financial counselors or whatever, uh, I would say that whether you've been married for a month or you know. 50 years, uh, that, that would, could only help. Okay. I think that's good advice from a seasoned veteran. Thanks Rod. Ah, Thanks. Okay. That's our first headline. And I don't think I have anything more to add. Like at the end of the day, I think it makes sense for people to try to get as on the same page as they can. And I do think it's pretty obvious that, that money, um, is one of the you know, major challenges that people Mm -hmm. have to work through, especially if you get married when you're a little bit later in life, when you both have been doing things on your own for a period of time. And now you're trying to kind of, you know, coexist and merge things. It can be a little bit Mm -hmm. tricky. So, uh, but I do think, I do think getting on the same page is, is an important piece. So, uh, but I just thought that was interesting. It just, it just stood out to me as an interesting thought. Okay. This one, this one came from CNBC as well. I think the last one was a CNBC. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was interesting because this is like a never ending debate. This is on February 15th at 8.37 Eastern time. 8.37 a.m. Eastern time. Here's what, here's what it said. Pre-tax versus Roth 401k. Deciding which to use for retirement is trickier than you think. Hmm. Now I want your reaction to that. Yeah. Well, my first thought on it is that I've mentioned before that I use both. I have both. And the part where I felt like the system failed me is when I was at my first job, I was making next to nothing. I was just barely graduated from college and the HR director, she was doing her job and she sat down with me and said, you need to think about your future may feel like a long way away, but you're going to re- want to retire someday. You need to start preparing for that. And here's, here's the paperwork, you know, sign on the dotted line so that we can uh-huh. get you started up on a 401k. Now at the time they didn't offer a Roth. If, if it had been an option and I could have chosen one or the other, then, you know, maybe, maybe I would have been smart enough you're to choose Roth. Yourself, Hard Rod. to say. <laughs> well, it was before that, that I had my Roth IRA. Uh, no, I know. I'm just kidding. This was Roth 401k. Before, yeah. At, at that level. So anyway, at the end of the day, it was just the very wrong decision for, for the, what was I 24 year old me to be setting aside pre-tax dollars and pay tax later because I was at the lowest tax. I, when I was, I was getting tax refunds, we had 
whatever three kids at the time and etc right for other reasons low income being one of them i was getting all kinds of tax refunds there was no reason to to pre-tax any of that okay then rod help us help illuminate the audience on what they should be thinking about when considering okay. whether they're going one or the other yeah okay so that's that's you know my my example um i would say if you have the opportunity to do a roth 401k and you're okay with the investment options that they offer then at whatever age you are at whatever income level you are that may be something to consider right we often talk about how these life insurance strategies that we offer from a tax standpoint act an awful lot like a Roth. And we say that a lot of times because most people are familiar with that. But secondly, because a lot of people see that as more favorable to pay the tax today. And then you have, you know, that money out there that you're, you never have to pay on it again. Any growth that you see, anything else, you just never pay the tax on it again. So, um, and I'll include with it, with that in the, many, many years that we've been doing this and we've asked many people, do you think taxes are going up in the future or staying the same or going down? And most people just laugh at the question because it just seems so obvious that the the pickle that the government is in right now as it relates to all these obligations that they've made for themselves in the future and squandered the the build what was supposed to be building up to take care of those things, specifically Social Security, and Medicare, and then the the my favorite one is when when uh, Obama wanted to expand the healthcare program, and he said, "You know, there's a lot of waste going on in Medicare. What we're going to do is we're going to clean up that waste, take the savings that we get there, and use that to pay for this new program." And you know, that's <laughs> I wonder how that's gone. Uh, but anyway, the long story short, I think most people agree that taxes are more likely to go up in the future than than otherwise. So, so to me, I think if you're looking at it at all, even if it's an option at all, then the Roth just makes more sense. Okay. So it sounds to me like it's not as tricky as they're suggesting. Because that's that was my reaction to that. It says the the headline was like Roth versus traditional it might be trickier than you think. And yeah. and I just don't think it's that tricky if I'm yeah. being totally honest with you, like where you're likely to save money. Uh, most people, it makes sense to go Roth. There might be a handful of options, a handful of situations when you could make sense of going traditional still at this stage. Do you think when they said tricky, they meant you might get tricked into doing what, what isn't uh, the right answer? That's interesting. Okay. So that might be from that standpoint, it might be trickier, but in terms of like how to actually figure out what to do, like it's actually yeah, pretty easy. seems pretty, it's pretty easy. Okay. Okay. Rod, <clears throat> we're changing topics altogether again. Okay. All right. So, so far we've talked about, we've gotten some relationship advice from Dr. F I mean, Rod, <laughs> the pod. We've also gone into uh, a little bit of, Tax advice. Okay. The, nope. That is not tax advice. Not advice. Yeah. Not advice. Uh, this is just based on our experience. Okay. Here we go, Rod. This third, third line I've got. <clears throat> Wells Fargo delivers warning ahead of key inflation report. You ready for their warning? I'm ready. Fed is not your friend. Ooh. The Fed is not huh. your friend. Okay. I have another, I have another article headline. 
And it basically says that inflation's likely to go higher, more or less. Okay. Basically, it's a warning that, like, you know, this whole, like, what they're doing is probably not, it's not really working that well. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, Rod, I'm asking you to play economist and talk to me a little bit about what you feel when you hear that sentence Fed is not your friend. What comes to your mind? Okay. You haven't read the article. I, I didn't read you. the article. It's fascinating to me that it's coming from Wells Fargo because you would say that Wells Fargo and any of those financial institutions are in cahoots with the Fed. You would think so, wouldn't you? Yeah. So the first thing it tells me, which I, you know, already knew from from you know being around for the last eight months, that what the Fed is doing is not exactly popular or what all parties think they should be doing. Okay. Right? Okay. So that's, so that's an my interesting first point. response was just with Wells Fargo. But my second thing is that I feel like the that the government and, and really the the previous actions of the Fed really has put them in a bind because the the spending that the government's doing has done printing of money um puts them in a in a pickle and they're like trying to unwrap this so they they feel like they have to push interest rates higher but in doing that the question is can it go high enough to unwind what the government has done with the print on the printing of side of, of things? So money manipulation is kind of like, you know, meeting its, its fate, so to speak, because of what, what has been done before. And one thing that I think has exacerbated this is when you go back and you look at what happened in, in 2008 and the bailout, I think it was like 800 billion or something that they printed to, to bail out. It was a big number. It was a big number. And and there were all kinds of of warnings and red lights going off from from especially, you know, really conservative libertarian types of people saying that's going to drive inflation crazy. Well, did it? No. It didn't. The 2008 all that printing of money did not. So it gave uh everybody really this false sense of, oh, well maybe that means we can just keep printing and print whatever we want and, and create all kinds of debt and it, it won't matter. Like it's not ever going to come around. Well, to me, the difference between 2008 and 2020 is number one, the number was a lot bigger. I, I don't know what they ended up at four, four and a half trillion, something like that, that, that was basically printed. Um, but the difference was, is they were sending checks to the households across the country. In 2008, they were bailing out or basically, uh, eliminating debt off the books of companies, right? Mm -hmm. So that money, uh, it helped to kind of shore up the economy, but it wasn't putting additional money into circulation directly. Whereas in 2020, all of the stimulus stuff was going directly to people's in their hands and they were going out and spending it. And that I think had no like, there was no other result that could have happened other than creating inflation. Mm, that's interesting. This reminds me, Rod, of the economist that our friend Buck has on his show, and I can't think of his name. Richard Duncan. Richard Duncan. Okay, so Richard Duncan, didn't he suggest the philosophy 
that we should like his his thought process or philosophy was basically we've spent so much already that we should just like shoot the moon and go for mm -hmm. it and spend and spend and spend our way out of it basically yeah. by spending through like innovation. It wasn't just like spending to spend, sure. but it was spending to create innovation and those kinds of things. And it was an interesting philosophy, but I just like, that's what me, it kind of reminds me of hearts, Rod. I, I'm not like an expert in card games, but isn't it hearts where like you can, you can, you know, you're trying not to get hearts, but the other, the other option is to get all the hearts. And I've either never way, played it. Okay, sounds well, fascinating. So, well, that's though. basically it. What you do, you try, at least the way I understand it, you can shoot for shoot the moon. I think that's what they call it. Maybe not, but either way, the idea is you go for all the hearts. Hmm. But if you don't get all the hearts, then including the queen, like if you don't get that, then you accumulate a whole bunch of points that you don't gotcha. want. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of what what Richard Duncan's philosophy kind of reminds me of. Yeah. But can I just tell you? I thought it was intriguing. Um, anyway, what's your take? Yeah, well, and, and that's probably one of the things that made me really think long and hard about, well, what was the difference before? Because he, uh, we, we came across him before the, before COVID, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. And, and then with what then happened over the last three years, why didn't it go the direction that he thought it should? And that was my conclusion was, it was spending there were like creating circulation drives inflation. And not only that, but the whole, um, everything that happened in, in the labor market, pushing wages higher, that was going to cause inflation. And, and so one of the reasons why Wells Fargo and others are, are so like up in arms or, or like questioning whether the fed can even fix this problem is that, while they're driving up interest rates and it's quote unquote hurting people, right? As a result mm -hmm. of the higher rates, it's not fixing the problem because because the labor market is still just super hot and, and unemployment keeps going lower. And I, you know, something I saw the other day says it says it's lower than it is today. Uh, it's the last time it was as low as it is today was like 1968 or something. Mm. Long, That's long, pretty time wild. Ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. So, and adding, you know, 500,000 jobs in, in, well, I saw last July, they added 500,000 jobs in January, 500,000. I didn't see all the months between there, but, but just the labor market's going nuts and the, what, what they're trying to do and cooling off the, off the economy. I mean, inflation is lower today than it was last July when they started raising rates, got as high as, you know, eight, 9%. And now it's more six or something, but they want to push it to two, right? That's their, that's their aim. And mm. man, seems mm. like that's, it's a tough, tough nut to crack. Okay. Well, <clears throat> the other article, like I said, suggested that it's, it's uh, maybe going higher before it goes lower. There's a lot of optimists who would believe that, um, that they'll be able to cool things off and then start to reduce. But basically this article was suggesting that they don't think that's the case. Well, and what's funny is, is when they started doing it, there was a concern about them overdoing it. They're just going to drive us to a recession, which may still happen, right? That I'm, I'm not saying that's, that's off the table, but what the, whatever the concern was at the time hasn't played out the way people were worried about. 
K-Rod, some wisdom coming from Rod the Pod again. Okay, uh, we have two more. One's going to be okay. from me, and then you did bring... I did ask you to bring one to the table, yep. right? Yep. So you're, you'll let you do the last one. <clears throat> okay, so this this headline is what started this the whole thought process for okay me. okay because i thought it was so interesting and i thought it was worth talking about so here's what it is the fair tax act aims to abolish the irs and set a national sales tax here's how it would work now i'm not going to read how it would work rod i'll just give you the the nuts and bolts which is basically that everybody would pay 30 percent sales tax and it would abolish the IRS. Now, there's other stuff going on there, but that's basically what the plan is. And it's very much opposed by Democrats. Mm -hmm. There's at least a subsection of uh, the GOP that would love to see that happen. So, yeah. Rod, what do you think? Ooh, I mean, it's, it's got big repercussions. They're they're well, wide huge. ranging. Yeah, the and the biggest one is is the whole kind of social reform that's been happening is to protect the poor right mm -hmm. from from a tax standpoint and and that's one of the largest drivers for where we are today with the tax code is to have more have it be more favorable towards the lower income people and more burdensome for higher income people mm. right that's kind of the okay, way Okay well it's, it's I and I don't think it would accomplish that objective Right. Well, yeah, this this would reverse that. Yes, absolutely. It basically puts puts back on the lower income people because they're the same as it would for everybody else. Basically. Yeah, what what they do is any spending they do, they're going to get taxed on that. And I would say, you know, higher income people can be more careful, so to speak, in in the, the spending. So, in other words. Just because you're a million dollar earner doesn't mean you spend all of that money. Right. You might you might save a tax huge bill. you might save a huge portion of that. If you live yeah. on two hundred and fifty thousand and save the uh, then you don't pay taxes on that. Yep. Until I mean, obviously there would be a, a formula for that to but but yeah, so as a high income earner, it sounds incredibly nice, Rod. It mm -hmm. could we could really have some control over so and that's that's kind of what I came. The, when I read through the article, it came to the conclusion that overall, the bottom two thirds, as an average, they would be ahead of the game from mm -hmm. where it is today. Now, they also articulated in there that the bottom, the very bottom, would go up, mm -hmm. and the very top would go down. So gotcha. it is kind of this interesting balance. So, Rod, what if they come up? With, what if what if we come up with a with an ex a 30% tax sales tax like this, but somehow, um, somehow it does become more favorable to, to people with lower incomes so that it, it's not having the same impact because I, can I just tell you the simplicity of a 30% sales tax is awfully intriguing <laughs> to me. Yeah. Just thinking yeah. about what a pain it is to do, you know, ridiculous amount of tax work that has to be done for our business. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So my thought on that is um, my, and my guess is that a lot of the social programs that help the lower income people wouldn't just evaporate. So 
and I'm thinking specifically about Medicaid and WIC welfare and yeah, yeah a lot of these different things that that help people. And to the extent that that you're getting stuff like like food products through WIC, for example, you're obviously yeah. not paying for those, so you wouldn't be paying a tax on the it. Sales tax. Yeah, so, that's true. So the very lowest income people, again, who knows what what all would develop, but my guess is those things would still be in place, and so that they would, but it would be. Um, as much of a disincentive to get out of that as it is today mm. and get to a place where all of a sudden you're paying tax again, right now it's, it's the income tax that, that you start to earn more income. Now you start to, to pay instead of uh, being a net receiver. Um, but the same thing would happen on the, on the sales tax side, right? In order to become to a place where you're buying your own food or more of it, then the tax burden is there. You're starting to take that on. Okay. Well, here's the good news, Rod. And we know that um, the various parties never overpromise and underdeliver. So I think. Oh this is yeah. A, so I think this is fair to just assume. We'll take this as to the. We'll just take this to the bank. In the article, from what I understand, it will boost the economy by ten uh, percent the first mm. year. Ten percent GDP, from what I understand. Wow. So let's do it, right? That seems like reason enough. <laughs> okay. Well, well, I probably, I, I was going to make another comment about something political, but I figured maybe, maybe I'll back off that. It is kind of funny though. Just to think about how ridiculous so many of these, now this is not going to go into effect. Let's be very clear, right? Like there's not yeah. enough support for that, but, but I thought it was an interesting topic. Um, and especially, you know, as a high income earning group of people, like what is most advantageous? What would be potentially for mm -hmm. you, but what does that mean for other people? Like, I just thought kind of the overall construct of what something like that would mean, right? We've seen other things where it's just like a 20% flat tax across the board yeah. or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and I think there is a lot to be desired in those things because of like the simplicity. And, you know, you think about how much, um, tax fraud is go goes on in our current mm -hmm. system. Like just by simplifying things, they could probably clean up a lot of that. But, but again, um, my main thought there was just, it's an interesting conversation. Yeah. And a lot of the people I talk to, they'll say stuff like, well, I'm willing to pay my fair share. It just feels like, like it becomes an unfair share, <laughs> uh, by the way that it's constructed. And so you're, you're almost forced to find those, let's call them incentives to, yeah. you know, to, to do what the government wants you to do so that you can save on that tax. Yep. So what we do is we take advantage of the tax code, the most effective way we can, um, and legally lower our tax bill. Okay, Rod, those are the headlines I had. So I'm going to let you share what you brought. Okay. That sounds good. And then I came at this a little bit differently because it wasn't a, headline it was more like i i got caught into uh just looking into this topic as a whole and so i found a bunch okay. of different things okay that i thought would be useful and it has to do with food shortages um oh my goodness i just realized that i for i missed one of my headlines when you said oh, that oh. that's okay maybe i'll save it for next time uh, actually okay. i'll just tell you because it was about the price of eggs so okay, but all right. We won't well, yeah, go that's... into that. So anyway, that you you might be covering that anyway. Yeah, exactly. That's right in line because that the price of eggs is one of the 
huge things that like just happened over the last little bit and Mm -hmm. inflation would have done it anyway. But I guess what I found is that there are other things going on that have made, especially in in a few specific categories, the, the cost of food going much higher. And part of it is, is shortages. And a lot of this isn't like new to this year. There are things that are carrying over from last year. Um, but because the problem persists, the problem gets worse. So for example, the war in Ukraine and all of the grain that otherwise would be trading hands uh, if that war wasn't going on and if people were productive and, and able to you know, do their thing. And so um, that leads to you know bread being a grain does uh, lead to bread and that's yeah i'm gonna say in shortage yeah. but but really it's it's there it's just a lot more expensive to to go out and, and buy the the loaf of bread that you're used to buying so so that was one of them uh then the second one was chickens and therefore eggs so there's this avian flu that that hit the, the yep. foul uh production area particularly hard and what happened is if you had if you actually had that disease going on in your your flock in your production then you just had to to knock out you know everything like right there was you had to to just sanitize which just means getting rid of the birds well you didn't want to get to that place where that would happen so what i thought was interesting is while while price of eggs were going higher third and fourth quarter last year, the price of chicken was really cheap. So, um, you know, where it normally would have been around here, I don't know where it is everywhere else, but where normally would have been maybe two to $3 a pound. It was a dollar a pound or or sometimes even less. And uh, so my wife being the person she is, she's going nuts. She's like, we gotta, we gotta buy a lot of chicken. So we're bottling chicken. We're freezing it. (laughs) <laughs> uh, all kinds of stuff uh, because it was, it was like, not only was it buying price, it was like below buying price. And, but the reverse is now going to happen. Right. So now because they had to, they kind of knocked out all, all their, their population. Uh, what's going to happen this year? Well, they're going to have to now rebuild the the chicken population. And admittedly it, it does each generation doesn't take very long. Like I found this the hard way. We, we used to have laying hens and one time we actually accidentally got some meat hens. Like they weren't supposed to be in the group, but, but there they were. And we're like, man, why are these things so enormous? Like within (laughs) the, the laying hens, it takes like 20 weeks for them to get to a place to where they're starting to lay. But these meat hens, it was within like seven or eight weeks and they were just, I mean, two and three times as big as the the laying hens. These these meat hens were, mm. and gratefully we had a neighbor that came over. And they're like, okay, yeah, those are not the same. They're, they're, <laughs> we're gonna do something about this. But anyway, so my point is that um, I don't think this means that it takes years and years to get to get back, but it's going to take time, and 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 so we'll pay more, both in terms of eggs and in terms of chicken. Okay, okay. Um, can I just comment on a couple things, Rod? Yeah. Just a couple key points on the Absolutely. egg on the in the egg conversation. Yep. Number one, egg prices rose to record highs in December. Okay, so a dozen large grade eggs had more than doubled in price during 2022 on average. Okay, so that's yep. pretty wild, right? Yep. Um, 
It reminds me of a show, Rested Development, Rod. You've never seen Arrested Development, but she, but they're like this this wealthy family, okay. and they so kind of detached from reality. And she's like, "It's a banana. How much could it cost? Ten dollars? Ten dollars is a lot for a banana, Rod. That would be, anyway. Yeah, uh, that's kind of like what happened with the eggs. They became ridiculous. Wholesale yeah. egg prices have fallen. This is the good news, by more than fifty percent since December. Okay, like you said, though, the reason for all this was the or main reason historic outbreak of bird flu in the U.S. Mm -hmm. disrupted egg production. Um, so the prices have gone down, Rod. But it's not a sure thing that it's going to stay. So I'm just saying. Yeah. That's yep, my we'll, advice. We'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. see. Okay, that's all I have on the eggs. Okay, and then I just have one more that's um, kind of a little more global, not necessarily specific to any one product. But going back to the whole increase of, of interest rates puts pressure on on farmers to like a lot of them use debt to mm -hmm. plant their crop or or buy livestock on, on the side of ranchers. Um, and with higher prices, can can they afford to get the debt, et cetera, or higher interest rates, excuse me, can they afford to go and get the same debt as they would? So the question going into the season is, are we going to have shortages in, in a lot of different areas just because of that? Because a lot of the farmers ah, can't afford to plant as much, do as much as they otherwise would or, and were doing when interest rates were lower. Okay, so that is interesting. So you're saying like, whereas they might go get X amount of millions of dollars to create their crops, mm -hmm. they're now able to get much less. Yep. Because of course, yep. there's more debt that has to be serviced on. It's interesting. Yeah. I hadn't really considered or thought about that angle. So it's a good one. Yeah. A good one. Um, okay. So Rod, what should people do? What's your, what's your solution? Well, the, the, I mean, the easy answer on this is if you can't get the, what, what you want, then you look for substitutions, right? So if, if chicken, if that's your favorite and that's what you're, what you're going for, um, well, Beef, beef actually fits in that one as well with the uh, with the drought in Texas. So you know, then then pork plant or fish based. or or plant based. There's a lot of lot of innovation happening on that. To uh, yeah. I, you know, you hear jokes about it, but the make plant based stuff taste like real meat, right? So it's come a long way. It is yep. so for over a year. I went vegetarian. So I started eating chicken again, Rod, but I don't okay. eat any other meats. Mm -hmm. um, I, I guess I would I would eat turkey too. So basically white meat. Um, okay. But I went full-blown vegetarian. Can I just tell you, you can get a lot of really good food that is not real meat that tastes very similar to it. So yeah. there's my there's my pitch that uh, going plant-based isn't the worst thing in the world. Yeah, from what sure. I understand, it's good for your heart. Yep. Rod, where else can you go get firsthand um, recommendations or sorry, recommendations from firsthand experience about how to raise chickens and you get um, some like heart health advice from someone with zero credentials in the health, <laughs> the health industry. What, what other podcast can you go to get that? I imagine there are many out there. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. All right. Well, uh, okay, Rod, this was fun. Yeah. Like I said, next time 
we're going to adjust it a little bit. And both of us are going to come with like five, three to five really intriguing, interesting, relevant articles. And then we'll just get like raw reactions from the other person. I like it. That's good. It's been fun. But this was good. I appreciated all your reactions. I was impressed. You had a lot of good ideas and thoughts, especially having not looked at or seen anything in relation to what the content that I was going to bring up was. So good job, Rod. You could deserve an applause. Ah, thank you. Thank you. Okay. All right. Well, Rod, unless there's anything else, uh, let's call it for today. I'm good. Okay. Thanks everybody for hanging out with us today on the Money Insights Podcast, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Money Insights Podcast. To learn more about the financial and business strategies discussed in this show, please visit moneyinsights.net. The views and opinions expressed on the Money Insights Podcast are not intended to be individual financial, tax, or legal advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making financial decisions. And if you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This will help others find the show and learn wealth-building strategies for themselves. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.